Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome everybody to Nightlight. So glad you could join us today. We have a fascinating guest with us, but first I want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro. You can find him at nativestorytellers.com. Please check it out. It's an amazing website and he has an amazing gift and talent to share. So today I have um, um, Ahmed Osman returning to the show. I had a wonderful time with him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're going over one of the books that he's written on um, Akhenaten and Moses. And it fascinated me so that I asked him back again to go into another one of his books. He, is, he was born in Cairo. He lives in, in England now. And he has written a series of phenomenal books. And I, I strongly encourage you to check him out on, on Amazon and, and on my website. His books are there as well. Uh, they present some fascinating facts. And for those of you who have open minds and open hearts, it, it might be a good idea for you to delve just a little bit more into the foundations of the religions that, that we are worshiping and where they come from and how they originated. It's, it's not, please don't take things that are handed to you and swallow them without investigating them and learning about them. And the more you learn, the more fascinating the story becomes and the more intriguing the story that the story weaves becomes. So got to welcome him to the show. Welcome to the show, Ahmed. I'm so glad you're back again because you, your books, well, well, they are not just, they're, they're not just fascinating. They are historically accurate. You've, backed them up, you've, you've um, footnoted, you've, you've done everything you can to give credibility to this, this amazing story that you weave that, that, that gives you a better understanding of the foundation and the source of a religious, um, of a religious organization and how it came to be and where it came from. So I'm, I'm just so thrilled that you're here today to, to share 
Um, today we're talking about Christianity and ancient Egyptian religion. And I, I, the more I read about your stuff, the more convinced I am that there is so much accuracy and truth to this. And you, you sort of wonder, why has it been held back? Why has it been covered up? There's nothing wrong with, with Christianity being founded on an ancient Egyptian religion. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So why is it that it has been hidden and, and sort of swept under the carpet for, for, for centuries? The, the thing is, you see, at the core of the Western civilization for the last 2,000 years, 2 millennium, was the story of Jesus Christ. The more important thing about the story of Jesus is his resurrection. Because resurrection of Jesus, uh, I mean, gives hope to ordinary people that the, when they die, this is not the end of their life. And there is another spiritual dimension which carries on. <clears throat> However, up to the 19th century, uh, all what we knew about Jesus Christ, we had uh, from the Bible from the New Testament and sometime from the Old Testament as well. Uh, from the mid-19th century, um, after uh, uh, Isaac Newton and the scientific kind of, of uh, evolution, uh, people in the West started to think more I mean, scientifically. They want evidence. They want scientific evidence. So they started looking for I mean, historical evidence to confirm the stories of the Bible, including, of course, the more, uh, I mean, important character of Jesus Christ. Uh, um, up to that time, the Bible was our only source. But from the mid-19th century, when archaeologists started digging in the area of the, uh, I mean, of the Promised Land and the Holy Land and the Middle East in general, where Jesus is supposed to have been born and met his death. I mean, uh, we started to get some more information about, first of all, for some time, it only became a background kind of information until uh, you see the mid, I mean, the, the end of the Second World War, when by chance, uh, in, in near the Dead Sea, uh, a, a young boy found remains of, of uh, a library of a community that was living there at the Qumran area called Qumran, near the Dead Sea, Dead sea which had a, a, a whole library talking about, about uh, I mean, some contemporary. Uh, events, uh, a community that lived separate from the in Judea, from the temple of Jerusalem, and they were uh, uh, looking for a, a kind of a messianic character to, to return. I mean, uh, up to that time, we have no knowledge. This is the beginning that we, we, we found some archaeological evidence uh, I mean, relating to the history of Christ. Now, uh, according to the Bible, New Testament, the New Testament, obviously, 
includes four gospels. Uh, the first gospel was the, the earliest one was the gospel of Mark, which came out uh, uh, towards the end of the first century AD. Uh, according to the four gospels, uh, Matthew and Luke only talk about the birth of Jesus and some of his early life. Uh, the other two Gospels, uh, uh, only John and Mark, only talk about his mission and, and obviously his uh, crucifixion and resurrection and so on. So according to the story, some while Matthew uh, make uh, the birth of Jesus takes place before the death of. Uh, uh, Herod, the king, king Herod of, of Judea, who died for four years BC. I mean, uh, Matthew says that Jesus was born uh, before, while Herod was still alive, and Herod was afraid. Some, I mean, messengers told him that a, a, a boy, a young baby, is born who. I mean, will claim to be the king of the Jews. So he was looking for, for, for him. So he, the boy escaped with his mother and Joseph, her, her husband, to Egypt and so on, and only returned back uh, to Judea after the death of, uh, of uh, Herod, King Herod. But another account of Luke uh, make, make a different date. Uh, for the birth of Jesus, which is a six year, six AD, when the Romans made the census for tax reasons, they have to make the census to, I mean, and and he relates the birth of, of Jesus to the uh, year six of the census, you see. So the two reference uh, who, who in, the, in the gospels relating to the uh, birth of Jesus do not agree on the dates. However, eventually the Church of Rome decided fix, to fix the date in the year 1 AD uh, for his birth, and year, around year 30 AD of his death. This is the accepted views of, of the Church nowadays. So uh, uh, after that, uh, he started his mission and so on. So the point is, uh, when we start looking in in, in Judea, in, in Israel, in, in Palestine, for uh, evidence of the story, historical evidence of the story of Jesus as being told in the Gospels, we really have no single record, historical record of that. I mean, if, as, as the Bible says, that Pontius Pilate, who was the ruler of Judea, Roman ruler of the area, if he was the one who, I mean, ordered the crucifixion of Jesus, this is a Roman, uh, I mean, governor taking uh, an act, uh, and then it should be recorded in Roman uh, sources. However, from the Roman sources, contemporary to that time, we have no record whatsoever. The only record from Roman sources that we have come much, much later, by the first century, by the second century 
AD. And this is not talking about Jesus, but talking about some people who believed in Jesus Christ as the Lord. And they obviously, at the time, the Romans believed in different deities. And the emperor himself, the Roman emperor, was one who should be worshipped by all Roman citizens. And that's why these uh, I mean, rulers were trying to force uh, some who believed in Christ to accept the, the, the belief in, in, the, I mean, in the divinity of the emperor, and these people refused. That's why, I mean, we know that, uh, I mean, for instance, Emperor uh, uh, Neron, uh, who in the 60s AD, uh, burned Rome and the burning of Rome, and he accused the, the Christians of doing that uh, and uh, the suffering of the Christian, uh, uh, I mean, followers uh, in during this time. So, however, the Roman text themselves, they never mentioned something about either the birth of Jesus in Judea or his crucifixion on the hands of the Pontius Pilate the ruler of the area. More surprising is the fact, I mean, we have in the beginning of the, after the Christian, I mean, the Christ has died on the cross and so on, we have some of his disciples, two more important of his disciples, Peter and Paul, who are supposed to spread Christianity, the message, uh, to the uh, to the world, the good news, uh, gospel is the good news, according to those things. So w- while uh, uh, Peter was a Jew who would not accept uh, uh, to give, I mean, to give the message, a Christian message, to anybody who is not circumcised, i.e., a Jew. I mean, refused to, to talk to the Gentiles only within the Jewish community. You, you know, from the story of, 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 of King David and Abraham and so on, that up to the time of Abraham, uh, the only Egyptians were males were circumcised. Only Egyptian males were circumcised. However, just while Sarah was pregnant, in uh, her son Isaac, and before he was, he, I mean, gave birth to Isaac, the Lord appeared to Abraham and told him, I will make a covenant with you and with your descendants. And this co- co- uh, covenant, b- before the birth of, of, of Isaac, was built on one point that the, he, Abraham, while he was a, an old man already, and all the males in his house and his descendants should be circumcised. So, in fact, the Hebrew uh, kind of, uh, I mean, uh, uh, com- commitment required is to be Egyptianized, to follow the Egyptian custom of circumcised. So, St. Paul, St. Peter refused to, to address anybody who is not circumcised, who is not a Jew, uh, for, with the Christian message. On the contrary, St. Paul 
who was also a Jew, but he went to the Gentiles. He said the suffering of Jesus on the cross breaks the barriers. The Gentiles are the nations, the different nations away from Judea, away from the Jews or living in Judea. Why the book of Acts talk about Peter and, and, and James and the other disciples, 12 disciples uh, having um, met Jesus uh, in different occasions, uh, uh, being his disciples, and lastly, uh, at the day, the Last Supper, and so on. St. Paul has never claimed that he, uh, he, he met uh, Jesus uh, personally in life. Uh, all what we know is that in, in his letter to the Galatians, he says that while he was traveling from Jerusalem in his way to Damascus in Syria, while he was traveling, he had an encounter with Christ. It was not, he stated, uh, I mean, obviously, in an obvious way, it was not flesh and blood that I met. So it was not a physical kind of historical encounter. It was an encounter with a spiritual kind of message of Christ who told, asked him, why are you persecuting my followers? And this is what we know from the St. Paul. From he, after that, St. Paul retired for three years in a, 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 a desert temple, in a, in a community, in a desert, which, according to my understanding, is in Mount Sinai, the same position, the same where Moses got his Ten Commandments, and where St. Catherine is now established at the bottom of the, the same location. I think he stayed there for about three years, and came out after three years with his own gospel. And it was, at least for the first century, because St. Paul is supposed to have died in, uh, in Rome uh, around 65 AD. So during all this area, before the first uh, gospel was written of Mark, the only source, the only message, the only Christian kind of gospel or message that was preached by St. Paul was the message that related in his own letters to the Galatians, all letters to the Romans, letters to, he sent letters to all the communities that established churches in different Gentile locations, Asia Minor and in Greece and Rome and, and so on. But if we look to the story, I mean, to what information is included in, in St. Paul's letters, we do not find some essential points that are later found in the Gospels. For instance, we never know about that Jesus came from a city called Nazareth. No mention in St. Paul of Nazareth as a city. On the other hand, we also have no mention at all that Jesus went, went to Jerusalem. I mean, to be, uh, I mean, uh, to meet the, the, the priest 
Caiaphas and so on to be uh, in the court of judgment. We never have any indication in St. Paul's letter, which made the first Christian communities all over the Gentile world. We never have any statement that Jesus was crucified by Pontius Pilate. No message that Jesus was crucified. The, the first Christian communities all over the Gentile world was established in a, a gospel that did not include the statement that Jesus was, was born from uh, Virgin Mary or was crucified by Pontius Pilate. All this did not exist at all in St. Paul, the first Christian. I mean, wow, what a, it's a surprising. story. And <clears throat> then again, in 1947, some new, uh, also uh, hidden information uh, were discovered in Upper Egypt in, in an, a village called Nag Hammadi. In the burial area outside the city of Nag Hammadi, they found a, a, a kind of a, a vase, a great vase, a jar, which included some uh, text, this time in Coptic. And uh, it, it turns out to be uh, about containing about 52 different texts. Uh, uh, some of it, uh, I mean, it, it, they call this a Gnostic kind of library. Uh, and uh, some of it talks about Jesus. Some of it are some uh, gospels uh, uh, of, about the, the story of Jesus Christ. However, these gospels do not agree in many respects with the four gospels of the New Testament. Uh, it does agree almost completely with, with, the, with, the, with the, what the, the story, uh, the preach of, of St. Paul. No mention of Jerusalem, no mention of crucifixion and the Pontius Pilate, no mention of uh, uh, the city, no mention of all these things. But it also have new lights that we didn't know before. For instance, while the New Testament make Mary Magdalene a kind of, of a prostitute who came to Jesus with, with, with some perfume, to anoint him, uh, the, the, the Nag Hammadi Gospels, we have a, uh, a Gospel in Nag Hammadi, which it tells, I mean, it indicates, in fact, that this Mary Magdalene, rather than being a prostitute, she was his wife. And the other, uh, I, mean, I mean, the other disciples were wondering why is, is, it is, she is more, she is nearer to, to Jesus than, than, than them themselves. And they say, the master kisses her on the mouth. So there's a, a relationship. So we, we have more information from the Nag Hammadi documents about that. On the other hand, when we go back to the Dead Sea Scrolls, I mean, this is... Uh, the text the library goes back dated by uh, carbon date and, 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 and kind of writing and so on to about mid third century BC. So uh, some uh, a long time about three centuries or two half and two and a half centuries before 
and the fixed date for, for Jesus. So it, it should give us more information about, uh, I mean, Judea and the, the messianic uh, ideas in Judea at the time. However, I mean, it is true that this community, which have their own thing, according to Philo of Alexandria, they represent. They were these Essenes. They called Essenes the community of of Qumran called themselves Essenes, uh, and uh, they are uh, about uh, four thousand people in Judea, and some of them were also in Syria and other areas. But in total, they were about four thousand people, and they separated themselves from the temple of Jerusalem, from the priest of the temple. And they have, they celebrate the Passover, but not, I mean, the Passover celebration is a kind of celebration that was fixed and given to the Israelites for the celebrate the day they left Egypt. They went out in their exodus out of Egypt. This was the day uh, in the month of Aviv, they call it Aviv, that they have to celebrate every year. This is the day they left, I mean, uh, the, the, uh, the Egypt, you see. At that very moment when the general community, Jewish community, celebrates the Passover, I mean, uh, the Sea Scroll community, the Essenes, celebrate another occasion. The occasion they celebrate exactly resembles the Last Supper of Jesus with his disciples. They gather together in a, in a, in a banquet, drink uh, wine, and eat bread, not waiting, not without Jesus being with them, however, waiting for their leader, whom they called the teacher of righteousness. They, call, they give, they do not name the teacher, but they call him the teacher of righteousness, who had already, in some time in before that time, in ancient time, they don't specify any time, he had in the past been killed by the priest, the wicked priest of the temple. That's what they say. They have, I mean, their master, the teacher of righteousness, was killed. But they were expecting him to return, the return of, of, of the teacher, the return of the Messiah, the return of the Savior. They were expecting his return. So this is a very strange, I mean, and when you look at the kind of behavior and, uh, they, uh, and the, the text they believe in and so on, they, they have a, a, a text talking about the fight between good and evil and so on. Uh, the final kind of fighting between good and evil. Uh, it, it resembles so much the the the, the, uh, the, the Christian uh, uh, belief. I mean, I believe from my, my research at the end of the day that uh, a messianic character was appeared already to the Jews, the Jewish communities, or maybe to the Israelite community before they became Jews. And this, uh, uh, I mean, leader was not accepted by somebody of the priesthood. 
and who was killed, according to the community of the Essenes, he was killed. But uh, for his followers, I mean, they accept that he is going to return. The return, I mean, according to the Jewish belief of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament, if somebody dies, this is the end of the matter. I mean, there is no kind of resurrection. No resurrection account in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament believed by the Jews, by the Jews generally. Uh, so, uh, however, this community, although Jewish origin, but they believed in, uh, uh, I mean, they were waiting, in fact, for the, for the Savior, for the teacher to come back to return from death. So this is a, a community, I believe, to be the, 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 the Jews, the, the part of the Jews who believe in Christ. Not all the Jews refused Christ, but some of them believed in him. They, they're known, I mean, as Judo-Christians. Anyhow, I mean, but they, as they do not, uh, I mean, say the time or, or, or the date when this uh, teacher of righteousness lived and was killed, I mean, we were wondering, we can wonder when and how did, I mean, and where did he live, this teacher of righteousness, who exactly in the same, uh, I mean, it looks like Jesus Christ of the New Testament. I mean, okay, if you look now at uh, the books, I mean, uh, the books of, 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 I mean, leave the first five books of, of the of the Torah, and if you look at the books of, of the prophets, there are some prophets who came after the death of Moses. Many prophets came, and they were asking, I mean, asking the Israelite community, because the Israelites, after the death of Moses, I mean, when they went back to the, to the Holy Land, uh, they abandoned the, uh, the Bible, they abandoned the Torah of Moses, they abandoned the teaching of Moses, and they worship local deities like Ashtaroth and Baalim and so on. This is what the Bible says. And these prophets came, every one of them came to advise the leaders and so on. Why don't you go back to the teaching of Moses? Why don't you? And within the teaching of these prophets, we find interesting information about the Messianic leader who came sometime and was killed. The more interesting one of them is in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, a prophet who lived uh, six centuries BC, the prophet Isaiah lived in Judea, six centuries BC. And he is talking about, about this, uh, this leader. I mean, the, 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 this text was taken by the Church of Rome to indicate that it was a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah in the future. But as the, the text doesn't use either the future or the past tense, it used it use the present tense in all cases. And if it wants to indicate the future, it gives a date in the future. If it wants to indicate the past, it, it gives a date in the past. But it, it does not 
uh, have, uh, uh, I mean, a, a future there or a past there. So uh, uh, Isaiah, in one of, uh, of his messages, says, Therefore, Adonai, the Lord, they say, Adonai, gives himself to you as a sign. The Lord will give himself to you as a sign. Behold, Alma, Alma in, in, in Hebrew means the hidden one. The hidden one. Alam, Alam is the hidden one. Alma is the female element of the hidden one. Alam means the hidden one. Alma is the female element of the hidden one. Behold, Alma conceives. Alma conceives. This is the hidden one. This is the Lord. This is a God. I mean, as as on a son is born, Alma conceives. A son is born. His she she and she the hidden one call him his name Amunu El. Amunu El. Therefore, Adonai gives himself to you as a sign. Behold, Alma conceives a son is born. She calls him Amunu El. This is a very surprising uh, message, which I will come back to explain it in detail. However, for now, I can tell you that this is already... And, and, and in the same, uh, I mean, book of, of Isaiah, he also talked about uh, him who came and was, uh, was slaughtered as a lamb and expecting him to come back among the living. I mean, Isaiah, uh, I mean, the, 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 this uh, t- verse was taken uh, completely uh, in the New Testament as a sign of a prophecy of Isaiah of the coming Messiah. But I believe that here Isaiah was talking about a past event, especially he indicates that in other parts of his book. He indicates that he came and we slaughtered him as a lamb without having committed any crime, and we should expect his seed to come back, to, to, to come back to life, I mean, to appear. So I mean, the, in this sense, we can sense that, the, that this this master, uh, I mean, uh, or teacher of, of righteousness, this messianic character must have been living, must have lived and died sometime even before the 6th century AD. Now, it is very interesting to see that St. Paul, St. Paul, in his letter to the Hebrews, we, we want now to reach the, the, the right time where, where, where this uh, situation, where this, uh, I mean, Son of God, I mean, uh, appeared and, 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 and suffered uh, on the cross. Uh, I mean, St. Paul, in his letter to the Hebrews, says that, uh, I mean, you, you have been given, he talks to the Jews, 
in the sense of the, being the descendants of the Israelites. You have been given the New Testament while you were in Sinai. You were given the New Testament while you were in Sinai, and you refused it. How come? I mean, he goes all back, indicating that, uh, that, that the New Testament was given to the Israelites while they were still in Sinai. I mean, while just before the Exodus. This is very strange. Now, if we go to the Old Testament, to the itself, we have no indication. They don't speak about Jesus Christ at all. If he is lived already during the time of the of Moses, uh, I mean. And, and by the way, we have another another uh, indication uh, in the story. Uh, in 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 three of the gospels, have uh, some scenes. John doesn't have it, but but Matthew and Luke and and, and Mark have it. Uh, a scene when Jesus Christ went with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. He went to a mount. He went. He took them. He took them with him, and he went to a mount. And on this mount, Jesus Christ, this is in the New Testament, met with Moses. Met with Moses, and the three of them, Peter, James, and John. This is not a, a, a personal experience of Jesus on the mount meeting Moses. This is a, a, an occasion. It, it is called transfiguration. This is an occasion where three witnesses of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, were witnessing, and they, they asked uh, uh, Jesus, can we prepare for you and Moses uh, some kind of location? To I mean, they were talking about it, so they were involved as witnesses. So this could not be an imaginary situation. This should, must be, a, I mean, if we accept it. So a meeting between Jesus and Moses I mean, if they are contemporary in this case, on the mount. And uh, this is in the New Testament, in three Gospels. Now we go to the Talmud. The Talmud and the Midrash. These are, I mean, some kind of oral, orally transmission of some uh, stories and information that came from the time of of the Israelites and Moses in Sinai and so on, came all the way, but were not written in in the Talmud, in the in the in the, in the Torah or, or the book. Uh, they were written in other books from the first century, for the, uh, during the first five centuries A.D. They were written by the rabbis. They wrote it down uh, as a kind of. Uh, after about more than 1,000 years being transmitted by orally uh, speak. And they have a very interesting information uh, about Jesus because they seem to have known Jesus. While the, 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 I mean, the Old, I mean, Old Testament as such doesn't talk about Jesus directly, but here they know him. They call him Yeshu. Yeshu is a Hebrew way Yeshua or Joshua. I mean, Yeshua is a name 
of, of I mean, while Moses was, was there with the Israelites in Sinai, he introduced to them uh, uh, somebody, a young man, and told them, this is going to be my successor. This is the new prophet that will lead you after me. And his name was Joshua. Joshua. And this Joshua is our Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua in Arabic, and Jesus, Yosos in Greek, Jesus in English. This is the name of Joshua, uh, the son of Nun. And strangely enough, Nun, uh, the son of Joshua, all will know, uh, know about the family of Joshua it, it, from the Bible, is the son of Nun. And if we look at the, what is Nun, is, we find the Nun is a fish. So it's the son of a fish. And if we know that Jesus Christ, the symbol of Jesus Christ before the cross was introduced, was a fish, I mean, this is very strange. I mean, connection between Joshua, the son of Nun, Joshua, the son of the fish, and, and Moses, who was his contemporary, uh, I mean, uh, prophet. Now, uh, the Hebrew, I mean, uh, Talmud, and uh, speak about Joshua. Uh, and they say that his mother was called Mary, Maryam, Maryam in Hebrew. Miriam, which is Mary. Her mother was Miriam, and she came from a royal descent. His mother was from a royal descent. You see? But they did not say that he is the son of God. But they said that his mother, I mean, he was the son of somebody called Bandera. The son of Bandera. Bandera, I mean uh, Ben Bandera and, and, and Miriam. Very strange if we took Ben Bandera, Ben is son obviously, Pa letter Ra. I mean the, the Egyptian origin of Bandera would be Pa letter Ra, the god Ra. He's the son of Ra. Ah, I mean, okay. according to this Talmudic, uh, I mean, Bandera, uh, his mother was Mary, she, I mean, sister of Moses was called Mary, Miriam, and Jesus Christ, his mother was called Mary, or Miriam. His father was the son of Ra. I mean, it, it indicates a kind of a, and not only that, and they say that this uh, Yeshua or Yeshua lived in Egypt sometime and there lived in Egypt sometime and there he learned the Egyptian magic. He learned Egyptian magic in Egypt. You see. And they relate him to a, a, a sect called the Nazarene. He is one of the Nazarene. So the Nazarene is not uh, uh, is a sect called like the Essenes, you see. Instead of uh, Nazarene, I mean, which in the New Testament they make Nazareth as a town, as a location. No, no, at the time of the birth of the Roman 
rule of, of Judea, there was no city called uh, Nazareth. Nazareth was established later on by, by the church, Nazareth. I mean, I mean uh, th- these people talk about, uh, I mean, Yeshu or Jesus, I mean, uh, as being a Nazarene. I mean, the, the New Testament make it, uh, comes from the city of Nazareth. And you learn magic, and they talk about him in a different way as well. They say he was a prophet. He was a prophet who turned to be a deceiver. He was a prophet who turned to be a deceiver. And then in the book of Deuteronomy, the, the Lord uh, uh, I mean, warned the Israelites. If a prophet tries to deceive you, making you, asking you to believe in other gods, hang him on a tree. Hang him on a tree. Now we have in the book of Acts, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, St. Peter and St. Paul mentioned hanged on a tree. Uh, Jesus, talk about Jesus being hanged on a tree. Very strange information that the Talmud not only confirms the, uh, I mean, what, what, what St. Paul was saying in the Galatians, that, that they were given, the Israelites were given the New Testament while they were in Sinai before the Exodus with Moses. Now the Talmud have an account, I mean, which confirms this uh, story, you see. And they say, I mean, how was he killed? They say that uh, uh, one Israelite, I mean, the story says that while they were in Sinai, Moses established, built at the foot of Mount Sinai, established a tabernacle, a tent of, of, uh, I mean, uh, worship. And there was a holy, holy of the tabernacle, the holy of holy. And they, he says, the story says in, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, that one of the Israelites, a man from the Israelites, brought a woman and entered the holy of holies in the tabernacle to make love to her, which is very strange. I mean, (laughs) nobody can enter the holy of holies. And Moses was sitting there watching. Nobody uh, could enter the holy of holies except three people, I mean, the tabernacle. The high priest, which is Finhas, Finhas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, Finhas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, and Moses himself, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Only through people, three people, according to the uh, New Testament, to the Torah, were allowed to enter the Holy of Holies, the spot where, divine spot in the temple. So this guy, not named, uh, given a different name later on, uh, entered the, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a girl to make love to her. So Finhas the priest 
took a javelin and went in and killed him in the Holy of Holies. So Pinhas, the priest, according to this story of the, uh, of the Talmud and the Mishnah, uh, killed this guy who was, I mean, if, if, you, if, you, if you combine the killing uh, of, uh, I mean, of the deceivers, uh, uh, Joshua and the king, I mean, a German uh, biblical scholar uh, called Ernest Celine, uh, Ernest Celine, is quoted by Sigmund Freud in his book, Moses and Monotheism. Ernest Yassin is a German uh, scholar who believed from his study of the Old Testament that some great leader of the Israelites were killed, was killed in Sinai. His conclusion, which was accepted by Freud, but I disagree with both of them. I mean, I agree with them that some great leader of the Israelites was killed uh, in Sinai. But I don't think it was Moses himself, because Moses, I believe, was killed by by Pharaoh uh, Seti I later on. This is a different matter. But I think it was Joshua, the son of Nun, who was killed in, in the... Uh, and uh, obviously, by Finhas, Bin Elazar bin Aaron, the, the high priest of, of, of Moses, you see. Now, if we look, uh, uh, I mean, I have identified uh, Moses as being Akhenaten of Egypt, the, the pharaoh of Egypt, Akhenaten. Uh-huh. If we believe in the story that Akhenaten uh, and Moses were one and the same person, Akhenaten had had a, a, a kind of, of a high priest for the Aten temple that accompanied him in his exile in Sinai, and this priest was called Phinehas. Phinehas, Panehesi, Panehesi. This is a very rare name, neither in Egypt nor in Hebrew. I mean, this is a unique name. Maybe nobody else. At that time, in ancient time, had this name. It's a unique name. The high priest of Akhenaten called Panahesi, which is the very same in Hebrew, Pinhas. So Pinhas, the high priest. Why did he kill him? We will come to that a little bit later. But the indication then that the story, uh, uh, that the story, I mean, trying to trace when and uh, when did the messianic character the story, the character of Jesus historically lived because we have no confirmation that he ever lived at the time of the Roman empire in in Jerusalem no evidence of that whatsoever but we do have through the dead sea scrolls through the nag hammadi documents through the uh, isaiah and other prophets we do have information to indicate that he has lived and died a long time before. The Talmud helps us, I mean, as it does, I mean, I mean, not the Talmud, I, the, I mean, the Talmud and the Mishnah, 
the stories, the oral tra- transmitted information accounts of the Jewish people uh, indicates the specific time, which is St. Paul. I don't know where St. Paul get, uh, got his message of that kind of message, but he says that you were given the New Testament in Sinai and you refused it. Uh, so, w- from there, we have to try and, and see the other elements. Why did Rome, I mean, uh, fix uh, a specific date and specific information, locations about the history of Jesus? Uh, the, 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 the very early count of, of, uh, of the gospel included only one thing, which is that Jesus was killed on the cross and he was raised from the dead. He was risen. This is the main thing. Later, little information was given by Matthew and Luke about his birth. But according to Luke, uh, according to Luke, the, when when uh, when the angel came to Mary, the mother of Jesus, to inform her about, I mean, he's going to be to have a baby, he told her that he would be the son of of God, and the son of David, the son of David, King David, who will sit on his throne. He will sit on the throne. The, the word. I mean, Jesus is supposed to be a king. Jesus is supposed to be a king, not an ordinary person. He is a king. He is a Messiah. What does it mean, a Messiah? A Messiah means the anointed one. In ancient Egyptian traditions, again, we have to tell everything happened in Egypt. All the, all the, uh, I mean, the book, uh, holy book comes from Egypt, really. I mean, uh, the king, when he bec- bec- becomes, uh, a, I mean, in, inaugurated, I mean, in his royal, to be a royal, a king sitting on his throne, he has to go through some rituals, performed rituals. One of them is to be anointed. His phallus should be anointed by the fat of the crocodile. Egypt at the time had crocodiles in Upper Egypt there were crocodiles. Some of them were as a special holy lake for the crocodile lake. And they, they took the fat of crocodile to uh, anoint uh, the phallus of, of the king. Until now, some Upper Egyptian used this thing to make, I mean, a strong kind of sexual power and so on. But the ancient Egyptian made it, I mean, they believed it makes a strong descendants line and so on. After going through these rituals, the king would be given a title in hieroglyphic. This title is in hieroglyphic is the image of two crocodiles. In, 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 in hieroglyphic, two crocodiles are given as a title. Now, the crocodile in Egyptian language was called Mesih, M-S-H, Mesih. 
And in Egyptian language, unlike English, they have the dual and the plural. The dual and the plural. The, the plural with a, with a O sound, the dual with a Y sound. So the two crocodiles made Messiah. Messiah, which is Messiah. The word Messiah is an anointed king. And the first thing we know about it in the gospel, in the, in the, I mean, in the, in, in the, in the, in the holy book, is when uh, Isaiah, when when uh, when Samuel goes to anoint uh, David, King David, to be a king. I mean, the, the, this uh, anointing the king, the, this habit, which was Egyptian, Pharaonic Egyptian is in the Bible used for King David, who was anointed by Samuel, Prophet Samuel to be the king of Israel, and so on. So the Messiah, I mean, Jesus, being a Messiah, has to be anointed. I mean, has to be a royal king, not an ordinary character. And uh, you see, uh, so uh, all Egyptian uh, pharaohs are, were given this name. Uh, even nowadays, some Masonic groups and so on believe that every generation has a Messiah, a Messiah in every generation. The only thing about Jesus is a unique thing about Jesus, because Jesus is the one who became a king, but his people did not accept his authority, did not accept him as a king, and they killed him. So his followers, those people who carried on believing in him, believed that he was resurrected, that he came out of death, and he was alive again. Uh, and so uh, he would return at the end of days, you see. He believed, they believed they were expecting his return. And they carried on preaching this way all the day. So he is the redeemer, the one who will come at the end of days to save them. What is a redeemer? I mean, if you look at the Church of Rome, sorry, I'm, I'm not uh, trying to, I mean, to upset any belief of anybody. I'm just talking about history here. I mean, if they say that Jesus died in order to save the sinners, to take the sinners of the sinners, this doesn't make sense to me. How ca can the Son of God, or God incarnated or something, the Son of God, who has no sins of whatsoever, I mean, die for the sins of people who raped and killed, and, and I mean, it doesn't make sense. And they carry on no. killing, and, and, and people are not saved. They still do it all the time. So it doesn't make sense. But redemption, I mean, in this sense, in the messianic sense, Jesus is a redeemer in one other point, one major point. Because up to that time, up to the time when people believed in, in, the, in the risen Christ, uh, the main general belief of everybody was that, I mean, if you die, this is the end. There is no, I mean, the flesh will rotten, 
and this is the end of life, no existence. But, uh, I mean, only in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, I have to go back here, from the time of the, of the pyramid builders, from the very early time, Egyptians believed, believed that humans have two dimensions. Humans have two dimensions. One physical that dies, and one spiritual that does not die. And they refer to it as ka. And they had a, a symbol of, of a bird flying over the, the, the body. You see, it leaves the body. But they believed that they were to keep uh, the body safe through mummification and through burial in a secure tomb with the book, the, the, the magical uh, uh, spells of the Book of the Dead uh, written uh, and drawn on the walls of the tomb to, to, to save the, the journey the, uh, in the afterlife. They believed that sometime in the future, uh, the Ka will come back to the physical body of the king, of the mummified person, and he will come back to life. This is the ancient Egypt. We didn't know, we know so far we have no information. We no knowledge where it came from. It doesn't appear any other civilization, not in Africa, not in Asia, no other place. Where did the Egyptian got it from? I don't know. Nobody knows. But all what we know for sure that this was an Egyptian practice from the very early time of building uh, pyramids. However, this is not really uh, gives a right for everybody to live the second life or hopes for the second life. It is only for the very rich people because this is a very expensive uh, operation. Mummification takes 70 days with chanting and, and uh, some kind of uh, different techniques and medications and so on. Uh, I mean, uh, and uh, secure burial tomb is very difficult thing at the same time so only the king and his uh, near uh, uh, nobles can afford to, to have this special burial uh, and hope for, for the for, for the second life the masses of ordinary Egyptians the peasants of Egypt were, I mean, had no hope of, of, of any resurrection, any second life. Of course, after some time, maybe I mentioned that in my last talk, that after about 1,000 years from the time of the pyramid and the, this uh, Moses, Akhenaten, Akhenaten, whom I identify as Moses, uh, when, when he was challenged, I mean, that he was not, the son of the Ares, that he was not the son of Amun, the son of God, Egyptian God Amun, so he had no right to the throne. He, I mean, I mean, this is a unique uh, case in, in, in the history, I mean, that a human mind can reach out and can uh, get to this realization. He got an idea that uh, not only uh, humans have two dimensions, one spiritual that uh, is eternal and one uh, physical that uh, can disappear. He believed that all the universe, all the universe, the physical universe, also have a, a spiritual dimension. He called it 
they called it Aten. Adonai, Aten. Aten, Adonai is the same, is the same thing, which is a symbol of light. The, the beams of light coming from heaven to give life to people. Aton means life. And he believed that Aton is one spiritual power, universal power. That, 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 I, mean, I mean, but still, I mean, even Akhenaten himself, Moses never mentioned serious resurrection of life after death. I mean, only later on, later on through the the, the the Isis rituals. Isis is supposed to be sister and, and wife of Osiris. And they have a, a, a brother called Seth. I mean, this is a, a fairy tale or something, but it might have some kind of historical origin. We don't know. But this uh, story we find it in ancient Egyptian texts that Isis Seth killed his brother uh, Osiris and cut his body into 14 pieces and he spread these 14 pieces to different parts of Egypt just to make sure that he will never be alive again. So Isis, his wife, uh, gathered the 14 pieces of her. Only his phallus was not found because the crocodile ate it in the river or something. And she put it together and she brought Osiris back of death, but not as a living person, as the king of the dead. Osiris becomes this, uh, this uh, green painted uh, Osiris. It comes as a king of the dead, you see. So Isis became known as the mother of Horus, and in, as, a, as a kind of, of a, has a, a magical power within the sect of Isis, within the sect of the temple of Isis. Isis has her own temple, uh, own priesthood, and own followers. Within the temple of Isis, over about thousand years, uh, we have a story of, of the golden ass, an ancient. Uh, literature story of the golden as telling us an account of somebody who went through a kind of a ritual, Isaac lit- ritual, where he was, I mean, they give him some kind of drugs or something, and they have to go through uh, water, clean, uh, water, baptized by water, and he come out and he confesses something and he, he believes in, in his resurrection. In fact, this is exactly, I mean, a development of this kind of uh, belief appeared in Egypt during the first part of the first century AD. A a, a group of of people, like the Dead Sea Scroll people, the Essenes near the Dead Sea. These people were spread outside Alexandria and also in different kinds of Egypt. Uh, Philo of Alexandria, who is a Jewish uh, author who lived, philosopher, lived in Alexandria uh, in those early part of the first century AD, wrote about this Essene. This is Serapiote. Serapiote means the, the uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, like healers, the healers. 
they, they were, I mean, they used to use different uh, kind of, of medical ways to to heal the, the, the spiritual feeling and, and the body and the spirit at the same time. The healers. These healers used to live separate ways in the desert, eat minimum and drink only water and gather once a week together. And one of them, a man or a woman, young or old, it doesn't matter, would rise up and talk to them about his experience. And these people became known as Gnostics, Gnostics looking for knowledge. But the knowledge they were looking for the Serapiutae and, and the Essenes, and the, there was, was not a, a scientific knowledge, not knowledge coming through the senses, but knowledge. When human kind is very complicated, really, because or okay, we can see things with, with our eyes, we can hear things with our ears, we can touch things, we can taste things. We have this. Uh, I mean, but sometimes. Sometimes you can sense something. You don't know where it comes from. And then suddenly, maybe immediately or after some way, you, you can see it's happening. Where does it come from? I mean, only now we recognize that we have some electric waves. Every human have electric waves coming out and coming in. We receive waves and we send waves. These waves, I mean, it can include some knowledge. Knowledge not necessarily uh, understood in, in words and, and vocal kind of, but knowledge of, of some kind. I mean, that's why some genius people suddenly realize something, see something, other people have been there all the time. Why? Maybe in a certain situation, a human some senses in some maybe trained people, and the training needs that you suppress some kind of your physical needs for some time, you practice some kind of or some, uh, I mean, rituals of some kind, uh, yoga maybe, whatever it is, some kind of ritual that can make you more sensitive to accept, to receive some messages from, I mean, whatever it is, these people, anyhow, these Gnostics believe that if their meditation, they will get some information, they get some knowledge. So each one of them comes and talks about what he found. And in fact, when you read the, the kind of information they say, it is trying to know, they said, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they came to realize that the God of Moses, the universal, unseen, with no image, God of Moses, this God is not only there, not outside, not up in the heaven, it is also here and there, in everywhere. It is within us. I mean, mm-hmm. they connected the human car, this human spirit that leaves the body, with the universal spirit. I mean, I mean, so if you, I mean, at that time, in the first century AD, when people were told that Jesus was died on the cross, 
Jesus died on the cross. But he was alive. He was seen by, by Magdalene on the third day. I mean, n- nobody, I mean, millions, billions of people believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and never saw it. Even his own disciples, they never saw it. But it, the idea is, if you, if a person in a mental state with some kind of ability to receive an outside message from where I don't know and accept, mentally accept, mentally accept. You haven't seen it. It's not happening. You never saw it. Nowadays, we don't believe anything unless we see it happening in front of our eyes. We test it in the library and the laboratory. Otherwise, we are not, this is science. But this is another kind of knowledge that comes from the, the spirit. If you can accept, agree, that Jesus who died on the cross is alive again, have uh-huh. come out from the dead, it is there and then they believe that your third eye has opened third eye between the two eyes and the forehead they believe there is a, a center of of receiving knowledge and this knowledge that means that there and then you have been eternal you have become part of the universal God so you don't I mean you cannot die because death in this case is just I mean, the spirit leaving the body and be united with the universal, with the universal power, with the hidden one, with the spiritual one. You see, so, uh, this is the resurrection, and this is the real salvation. This is a, it was joy. I mean, when 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 first uh, the message of Christ, risen Christ, reached uh, Egypt, in, in a few years. All Egypt, from Aswan to Alexandria, I mean, were dancing in the streets because this is you don't need mummification, you don't need to go through, to be rich or whatever. You just have to accept, to to see, to admit that Jesus has risen from the dead. It is there, and then you have become eternal, spiritually eternal. That you cannot die. You don't need mummification any longer. Because you don't need the body to live. The second life is just a spiritual life, and so on. So the message, Christian message was the salvation. Millions and millions of people. The, 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 the message of a Christian message in the first part of the first century and second century spread all over the Roman Empire with joy. Because it, it, it makes ordinary people feel that they are, without having to be rich, uh, uh, can earn eternal life. And this, I believe, rather than saving the, the criminals who killed and, and raped and so on, I think this is the real message of salvation of Jesus Christ. So those people who believe in Jesus Christ as a Savior and pleases Israel were waiting for him to come at the end of days. Now, uh, I mean, 
strangely enough, also we have uh, at the time of the Exodus that the Lord tells the Israelites, tells Moses and the Israelites that as a punishment of Egypt, all the first male of Egyptians will 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 die, will be killed, will die in the same day of the Exodus, including the son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne. The son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne. This is really, uh, it has been taken to mean what I, do, I, I, I don't agree with. This means to, 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 to say that the Pharaoh who was on his throne at the time had a son and the son died. This is not the meaning I understand. Because once I realized that Akhenaten himself was a pharaoh, Akhenaten himself was a pharaoh of Egypt, Moses was a pharaoh of Egypt, so his son who succeeded him on the throne was Tutankhamun. His son who succeeded him on the throne was Tutankhamun, the son of Pharaoh, the son of Pharaoh Akhenaten, who is sitting on his throne, Tutankhamun. Yeah, so I think now, I do believe really that uh, the account of Joshua, I mean, uh, when the Torah was written in uh, Babylon, 6th century BC, the five, first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah was written in, in Babylon, not in Jerusalem, in Babylon. Then Ezra, the, the priest, wrote a copy about a century later to Jerusalem. But it was written in Babylon, and the Talmud was written in Babylon as well. In, yeah, in Babylon, in Iraq, was in Iraq. So when uh, it was written, uh, in the, during the third century BC, about three centuries after it was written in, in Hebrew in Babylon, when Ezra the priest had already brought it to Jerusalem, uh, the second Ptolemy, king of Ptolemy, because after Alexander the Great died, uh, one of his generals called Ptolemy uh, ruled Egypt, ruled, became ruler of Egypt. His son, Ptolemy II, Philadelphia, uh, made a library in Egypt, in, in the temple of, of Sarabis. There was a temple of Sarabis in Egypt. Sarabis is, is the is a form, is an Alexander form of Osiris. Uh, he, okay. he made a library within the, the, the temple. As Egyptian custom, every Egyptian uh, temple had a school and had a library. So he made a library in the temple. And he wanted to include this library, uh, all the books, not only uh, of Egypt, but all the other nations at the time. So he uh, instructed Manitho, who was uh, an Egyptian priest and historian at the time, to make a, a copy in Greek of uh, the library, uh, which was 
found in Memphis uh, and Heliopolis. So he made that. And he also sent uh, to the Jerusalem, and he asked the, the high priest there to send him some uh, priests. He can translate the Hebrew uh, Torah, the Hebrew Bible, into Greek in Alexandria. And they came, and they stayed there, and the, the Greek translation of the gospel Bible was made there. Also, obviously, he sent to Babylon, he sent to the Greek, he sent to Persia. He took all the knowledge of all the, the knowledge of the nations in all different sciences, branches of science, and translated it in one language, Greek language, and put it in the Library of Alexandria. And that's why Library of Alexandria became a very important center of knowledge uh, at the time. So eventually, when Christianity started, obviously in the very beginning, I mean, although uh, I mean there was an Egyptian community, I mean a, a Christian community, a Christian church in Rome, but this Christian church was not official. The Rome, Rome was not accepting. I mean, it had different deities. It had. I mean, the Olympus uh, deities, in, as well uh, as the Roman emperor worshipped in Rome, different deities. So the community, the Christian community in Rome, uh, was very small and has no power and no official status in Rome until in three hundred and twenty-five, when uh, uh, Constantine the Great uh, impressed Christianity and gave the fathers of Rome the power of attorney to, to spread Christianity in the, in the empire. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, but then, then Rome became Christian. Then Rome became Christian. And then we have all the knowledge. I mean, it was official at the time. However, uh, the, 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 the Old Testament it was really, it was really the church, it was the church that kept uh, the Old Testament books. Uh, the Jews themselves only were interested in the first books of Moses, the Torah. But the other books about the history, Samuel and so on, and, and Kings, and, and, and the, the, the books of, of Isaiah and, and other prophets, this was not interested for the Jews to keep in the beginning. So this was the Church of Rome wanted to keep this, and they made this uh, the, 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 the holy book includes, uh, I mean, all, all the, the books. The Church kept it. So the first, uh, the first copy the Church of Rome got of the Old Testament really was the one translated into uh, uh, Greek in Alexandria. They did not have knowledge. They did not have a copy or a knowledge of the uh, of the Hebrew text, uh, uh, which was in Babylon and maybe in, in, in Jerusalem as well. They didn't have that copy. They only had the copy which was translated in Alexandria, the the Greek text. And in the Greek text, when the when the when they mentioned. Uh, the Joshua, the son of Nun, contemporary of Moses, you see, 
his name in Greek is Yosos, and obviously uh-huh. in, in English is is Jesus. You see. So they have one Jesus in in the whole New, New Testament and Old Testament. The name Jesus of, of the, the son of, of the fish, the son of noon, and Jesus the son of Mary. I mean, they have only one name for both of them. I mean, see, I mean uh, so th- there was a, a kind of a confusion there. However, you see, uh, Rome wanted the, the, the Christian, I mean, the Christian church of Rome wanted to turn uh, this uh, power that they took from the emperor uh, to make it to, uh, to turn it into a political power, because up to that time, although Rome was a, was the capital of the Roman Empire, which surrounded the Mediterranean and reached England in, in the north, uh, Alexandria in Egypt was uh, the center of religion and uh, and culture. Alexandria, because of the Temple of Sarabis and the Library of Alexandria. Everybody went there, even from Rome. They came from Rome to be educated regarding the, 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 the very uh, Christian uh, theology. They came to Alexandria to be taught uh, Christian theology. So Alexandria was the center of knowledge. So the first thing they did in order to, to gain power is to destroy the Temple of Sarabis and burn down the Alexander Library. They burned down the Alexander Library. However, what they had is, is the Christian uh, uh, thing. I mean, only during the 10th or the, or the 11th, 10th century AD that a text of the, uh, I mean, um, a Hebrew text was found of the Old Testament, and it was translated by King James, and it was translated to Latin and 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 the other languages of Europe. Modern languages, modern translation are much better, which are now in the United States. The, the New English uh, Bible, I see it more. Uh, I mean, uh, more accurate than the English. Uh, the King James translation tends to change some words if it doesn't uh, agree with the conception of, of uh, knowledge and so on. Anyhow, what I want to say is that it seems that uh, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazarene, is no more than Joshua, the son of Nun. Obviously, we have a book uh, in the Old Testament as well, called the book of Joshua. It, 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 it talks about Joshua after the death of Moses. And Moses didn't, didn't enter the promised land. He died and was, he, was, he was killed, really, and was buried in a ditch in, in somewhere in northern Sinai. But they have a story written by the priesthood, really, rather than Moses. Because the first four, five books uh, of the Torah are related to Moses. This book of Joshua is Deuteronomy is written by the priesthood. 
I mean, it, it is, in my view, a kind of an attempt by the priest to hide the fact that Joshua, the son of Nun, was already killed. In, and they made a kind of he leading, him leading the Israelites in a mass kind of battle, war, victory over all Palestine, destroying uh, the, 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 the towns uh, and uniting the whole, which, which is not, uh, which is only contradicted by the books of the judges afterwards. We have the books of the judges giving a more realistic account of how over a long time uh, the Israelites, I mean, they tried to get out. They were stopped by the cities the first, and they went back to, to Sinai. I remained there. I called the Bible for 40 years. Uh, they were there for 40 years. Anyhow, they remained for some time. <coughs> After that, they started to in, infiltrate through Jordan, through the Aqaba and Jordan, into the and uh, into the the Promised Land, into Canaan, which became known as Palestine. After that, and they initially this is a result of the modern Israeli archaeology archaeologists themselves. They say it was an, a, a kind of infiltration that went out through a long time, period of time with different locations at different times, uh, establishing before they were united uh, in Judea or, or Israel or whatever it is. So this is the, the story there. So the, the book of Joshua in the Bible is complete fiction. Is I mean, it's an acknowledgement. As, as such by the biblical scholars, most of the biblical scholars nowadays, and obviously is also contradicted by the modern uh, archae uh, Israeli archaeologists who found evidence of how and when the Israelites re-entered the promised land in Palestine and where they were settled and so on. So, uh, why did, uh, I mean, if the story of killing uh, an eminent leader, Joshua, in the Holy of Holies of the Tabernacle uh, at the foot of Mount Sinai is correct, as I think it is, why was he killed? Just for a woman who wanted to make love to her? Uh, which is, uh, I mean, they could, could have kicked him out, and I don't think uh, it is a true story. But, uh, I mean, we find an interesting story here. It, it, again, in the Talmud, they say that Yeshu was a prophet, was a prophet in the beginning. But he learned magic in Egypt. And he tried to, I mean, to deceive the Israelites by asking them to believe in other gods rather than Adonai, rather than I mean, the, the one God they believe in. And that's why, in fact, I mean, 
the, the story says, the, 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 the book of Deuteronomy says, I mean, you don't have to hearken to him. Don't hear his voice. Hang him on a tree. Hang him uh-huh. on a tree. But don't leave him on the tree through the night, bring him down at the same night. And this, I think, but why did they do that? Who was this prophet? I mean, and who, why did he want to deceive them by other gods, believing in other gods? Now, I have to say that the only way to explain that is that the, 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 the king, the son of Pharaoh, who was sitting on his throne, Tutankhamun, is the same character as Joshua, the son of Nun. He is the son of Moses. Jesus Christ is the son of Moses. This is what I believe in. Jesus Christ, you can find all the evidence in my book, more details about why I feel that. I'm not, uh, I'm suggesting I, I have evidence from, uh, I mean, the Bible, and different sources, as well as from historical sources. The thing is, Tutankhamun was a young man when, uh, I mean, he was born in uh, the new city of Amarna. Akhenaten was forbidden by the priesthood to succeed his father, but in order to make sure, uh, I mean, Hotel III of the 18th century, his father is Amin Hotel III, in order to ensure that his son will be his successor, he married him to his, uh, to his the daughter of his other wife, the, his sister, to the royal daughter, Nefertiti. So Akhenaten was married to the heiress to the throne, Nefertiti, in order to get the right to the throne. So he became, uh, as a result after this marriage, he had the right to become a co-regent with, uh, in Thebes. He was living in Thebes at the time. He became a co-regent with his father, I mean, Hothi III, you see. And then, uh, I mean, uh, he went... I mean, he didn't wait too much. He went at, at the back of, of the temple, of, of the Karnak temple, and built a small shrine for his uh, god, Atun, Atun, the one god. And he, I mean, the priest of Karnak would not mind if he, because the Karnak is a, a kind of, every, uh, they have a shrine for all the gods of Egypt. All, every god has a shrine in the Karnak, so... If another god has a shrine, it's okay for them. However, he made this uh, shrine for, I mean, only for people who believe in one god, which is Atom. They were upset. They were, they shouted at the king. They didn't like it. They didn't like it. And they threatened the king. And we have written information, evidence of that. So the king has to ask him to leave Thieves with his wife. So he went to uh, a place now known as Amarna, halfway between Cairo and Luxor, and built his own city of Amarna. And he built his own palace and his own temple, and he called it the city of Aten, the city, the horizon of Aten. And although he had six daughters from Nefertiti who are recorded and appear in the different 
uh, scenes, uh, we don't have any knowledge of his son. However, we have in Tutankhamun's uh, tomb uh, a, a text saying that he was born on, in the seventh year of Akhenaten in Akhetaten. I mean, he was born in the city of Athens. He was born in the city of Mamarna. He was a young boy, the only boy with six daughters. He was born in Amarna. Now, usually, the king of Egypt is given the title of son of Amun, or son of Ra, Pandera, son of Ra, Ahnetar Ra. He was given that. But Tutankhamun is the only one in all history. He bore at his birth the son of, title of the son of Adonai, the son of Aten. I mean, he was, I mean, Tut Anch Aten. At birth, he was given the name Tut Anch Aten, the living image of Aten. Aten is Adonai of the Bible. He was the one God, you see. At his birth, that is the name he was God. However, I mean, after some time, because Akhenaten, after the death of his father, insisted that he close all the temples and force his people to live to, to only to worship Aten, his one God. But ordinary people in Egypt did not understand the concept of a, an abstract deity they cannot see in an image or something. It was too strange for them. So very few people followed Akhenaten. And as he used the army to, to force his, to close the temple and force his people to worship the new god, the army believe, who believed also in the same different deities of Egypt eventually rebelled. And they forced in a first, maybe the first coup d'etat in history, they first forced Akhenaten to abdicate his throne uh, 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 to his son Tutankhamun and go to Sinai in his exile in Sinai. I, in my book about Moses and Akhenaten, I have all details to confirm this uh, account. I mean, he left Tutankhamun as a young boy of nine years old on the throne. Tutankhamun, Tutankhaton in the beginning, the living image of the one god Aton, I mean, lived for five years as a young boy, unable to do anything. The temples are closed, worship is stopped, and people are without any... And eventually, like Jesus in the story of the Bible, when he went and found the temple, I mean, dirty and, 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 and tried to clean the temple and so on, there's a story, such a story in the... In the Tutankhamun did the very same thing. He went to Karnak, and he reopened the temples and gave the priests the new position, a lot of money, and lot of, and so on. And even he changed, even and he allowed he allowed the old deities to be worshipped, Amon and the old deities to worship, and he even changed his name to Tut Ankh Amon instead of Tut Ankh Amon Aton. Some people believe, majority of people really believe, that by doing that, he in, in fact went back on, on the one God of his father. But I don't agree on that. If you look at the throne uh, seat found in his tomb, the tomb of Tutankhamun, 
we find at the top the, the inner cartouche, the name of Aton as the king, the royal king, and the one god, Aton. Although his own name is Sut Anthamon, you see. So I think what he did, really, is he realized that ordinary people are not able to directly realize the, the, or communicate with the one God, and they need some mediation. So he allowed these gods to be some kind of angelic, angelic world. I mean, I mean, people worship the one God through this deity, this angel. And this is why, for the first time, angels appear in the New Testament. No, no angels in the Old Testament whatsoever. Angels are a kind of, of heavenly characters, mediation between heaven and, and ordinary people. So the, I believe that Tutankhamun never went back. I mean, because he had already, in the very last moment, is his own seat the name of Aton in the cartouche, one god. But in fact, I believe in that. Now, there is, I don't have evidence of that. There, there, there is an indication that after doing that, he went to bring his father back from uh, his exile uh, in, in Sinai. And there, I mean, obviously, after... I mean, they knew that he reopened the temple, allowed the other gods. He was accused by asking them or, or, or allowing the worship, allowing the worship of other gods. He became a deceiver. He was a prophet, the son of Aton. Now he became a deceiver who asked them to believe in other gods like Tutankhamun. So it was Tutankhamun himself. I mean, they killed him because he was a false prophet, as they said. Although, as we know, or I personally believe that he never abandoned the one God of Atom of his father. The only thing is he realized that ordinary people are not able to, to see that directly, so he created. You see, if you go to ordinary, in order to uh, uh, confirm this idea, if you have gone, if you have been in the tomb of Tutankhamun, uh, or, or if you will go and see the pictures uh, at home from uh, a book or something. And the, uh, we have a, 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 the area of his sarcophagus, and at the back wall, you have three main uh, painting scenes on the back wall, which are, in my view, uh, the, the gospel, include the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. The very scene at the, at the very right side of the wall is, shows Tutankhamun mummified as Osiris, and in front of him, his successor, I, King I, his successor, acting as a high priest, practicing the ritual of opening of the mouth. Opening of the mouth is when, after the mummification, they believe that this ritual will bring through his mouth back his spirit into his body. And the priest, the priest will shout, Osiris has risen from the dead. This is the scene, Osiris has risen from the dead, exactly as Jesus risen from the dead after his death. Now, the scene in the middle 
is another scene. Now we know from the Bible, that the New Testament, that after 40 days, that Jesus was taken up into heaven. I mean, they saw him risen to heaven, in the sky. I mean, I mean, in the middle scene in the tomb of Tutankhamun, we see the goddess Lut, the goddess of heaven, the the the, the, the I'm welcoming Tutankhamun now, not mummified, now uh, only Tutankhamun. Uh, I mean, entering heaven. I mean, he uh, resurrected. I mean, he, he grows from the dead in the first scene. Now he is taken to heaven, exactly uh, as uh, Jesus Christ. The third scene in the left hand, of the left hand, includes three figures. And this exactly is not found in the gospel itself, but this is the conclusion of the, the, the church teaching of the Trinity after that, how the eventually, after many years, I think by year 500, they reached this conclusion. But you found it now in Tutankhamun's tomb, which is about 3,000 years old. Three figures are found. The three figures represent one person, Tutankhamun. The, uh, the, the left figure is Tutankhamun in green shape as Osiris. The dead as Osiris, the Osiris the father, Tutankhamun. Stretching his hand to hold another Tutankhamun facing him as Horus. Horus. I mean, Osiris and Horus. This Horus figure is behind him is held by another Tutankhamun figure with the name of the Ka. Ka is the spirit. So we have now three figures of one person, Tutankhamun. As Uzziah the father, Horus the son, and Ka the Holy Spirit. Three, three in one. This is what the Church of Rome reached 500 years A.D. You can find in the church the gospel of Jesus in the, in the tomb of Tutankhamun, I mean, painted about 3,000 years ago. I believe that Tutankhamun, who's now, I mean, uh, exhibit, exhibition is in Paris and is coming to London uh, by, by September or October of this year, this is the mummy of Jesus Christ, Joshua, the son of Nun, Joshua. Hello? Sorry. So that's why that's why Rome burned the the Hello? Library of Alexandria. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I so so that's why the Rome what that's why Rome burned the Library of Alexandria to sort of uh, destroy all the evidence of this. Yeah, the burning of Alexandria 
was meant to destroy the Egyptian evidence of, of the Christian message. You see, the Egyptians were the first people to believe in resurrection, you see. And uh, eventually, I mean, the only, the only country in the world, the only country, although not mentioned in the New Testament, that all, everybody from Aswan to Alexandria believed in Christ, became Christians, is Egypt. I mean, this is a very strange, because it is their own, I mean, it is, I mean, a kind of uh, uh, going, I mean, developing. I believe, uh, like, uh, I mean, we, we reach our spiritual knowledge not suddenly, not by, by, by we, we get it by time. We, we, I mean, it's an evolution, like our bodies develop, we develop through millions of years to be what we are now. So our beliefs, our uh, religious beliefs, I mean, went through a long time to reach our knowledge now. And I think it is time now that we don't take the Bible stories as fairy tales and uh, something for the children and so on. It is not, it's not, it's real history. This is real historical. Jesus is a real historical Messiah. He is a king. He was a king. His body exists now, you can see, in, in the, uh, the museum, if you want to go see it. I mean, I want, I mean, now we believe in, in, in scientific knowledge. And I believe, I mean, this does not, obviously affect, on the contrary, our religious beliefs. On the contrary, it confirms our, our beliefs, our spiritual beliefs. I mean, rather than being dogmatic teaching and rituals, we have now to be able, each one in his own, to reach the eternal hidden God and realize the resurrection in his own experience. I mean, exactly, I mean, if you see it, then you see your own future. You are no longer, you no longer can see it alone. You are one with the universe. I mean, we, science, modern science does not come against. It only advances our knowledge. It helps us to change, to improve our knowledge of ourselves, including our spirituality. And I mean, because the, I mean, all the religions now are missing this uh, spiritual kind of dimension, which, I mean, that's why people uh, are, are felt in a kind of a, a lost situation. Now, I mean, through new science and knowledge, scientific knowledge, we can go to a, to a new age of spiritual salvation through our knowledge. And the fountain always will be the idea of a, a death and resurrected Jesus Christ. Uh, by the way, by the way, yes. I wanted to say, add something, if I have time. When Jesus Christ, uh, I mean, uh, Saint Paul never said that John, uh, I mean, Jesus was crucified on the cross, on the Roman cross. Roman cross is a sign of punishment. The Egyptian cross, up to the fifth century A.D., up to the fifth century A.D., the only cross available anywhere in the world was the Ankh, the Egyptian cross. The Ankh is a sign of life, not as a sign of death. And you can understand 
when uh, St. Paul says, Jesus crucified in me, which he means, Joseph, Jesus is alive in me. I mean, this is the whole, I mean, St. Paul is the fountain of the true spiritual Christianity, really. And we have to revive the image, I mean, the belief of St. Paul. Well, it makes it an even richer um, philosophy. And and it, to me, it, it deepens the intensity and the meaning and um, the element of faith is is so much deeper. Um, I, I can't I can't under I can't believe that people will have difficulty not not letting go of but in, but embracing something greater. I mean, yeah, I I, I believe. I believe, you see, dying on the cross means he he died physically, but but not spiritually. He's still alive. And Jesus says to his followers, according to the Bible, believe in me and you will never die. You are Uh the children of my father. So everybody is through through the belief in the resurrected Christ. We believe in our own spirituality eternal spirituality and unity with the hidden power. Well, you've given us such a an alternative story, but but the the ending is is the same. <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't matter where it comes from because your conclusion is the same that there is resurrection and that there is life after death. I mean, no matter which story you're your, which which story you're listening to, the the message is the same. I I love I love the fact that he was the um, teacher of righteousness. That makes that makes perfect sense to me. And you know, yeah. none of this none of this offends me. I mean, I'm just I'm intrigued by it. And and like I said earlier, it just confused me when people change their names so often. But once you got used to that. Um, it was it was an amazing story, and and it makes sense in so many other places too, as far as the burning of the library and the destruction of those those um, those those papyrus and and the tablets that were that were destroyed for no reason except to cover up that there was a different foundation to the religion they were creating. And it makes it a richer. It yeah. makes it such a a far richer religion, utilizing the the foundation in the Egyptian philosophies. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, and uh, thank you for giving me a chance to talk to you again. And obviously, uh, the, I, I hope I hope that uh, a, a revival of the Christian. Uh, Salvation message, not as a, a, a dogma, or, or, uh, but, but in, in a kind of a love story or a song or something, can, can help people to come together and live in peace nowadays. You know, the element of, of dogma and structure and, and control 
doesn't work for people anymore, but but your story is, is different, and it takes the same characters. It gives them different names, but it's the same characters. It's the same story, but but it is, to me, um, it feels kinder, and and it is a time in our culture where, as human beings, we do need to pursue the element of love and forgiveness and kindness and sharing far more than, than we have in the past. And uh, people need, in my opinion, people need to return to that. They need to discover that within themselves, and they need to discover the divinity that they carry within themselves and then practice that divinity. And you know, I, I would hope that your books will help to open people's eyes and hearts and minds to to the messages that we've been given carried through time, through thousands of years. And it's just a matter of reawakening that part of themselves and, and having them blend it with the physical reality they're living that, that would be... It's a true gift, and you do give a gift to humanity. And um, I'm delighted that your books are starting to um, become uh, almost required reading again uh, to remind us of our of our roots, because because basically most people have forgotten where the roots of our religion were, and you give such wonderful evidence of of where they truly came from. So I I have to thank you. We're out of time, but I do thank you so very, very much for spending your time and and sharing your message with us because I think it's an important one, and I'm I'm so glad we've had the opportunity to put it out there for people to listen to. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Oh, you'll be back. (laughs) You've got more books for me to read. Anytime. I'm always available. Well, thank you so much. And, and, and again, thank you, and thank you, everybody, for listening and spending your time with us. And, and hopefully you've had open minds and open hearts uh, to sort of embrace some of the, whatever part of this material resonates to you because it's a time to shift and to declutter and dust off the element of faith and restore it to where it belongs in our lives. Thank you, everybody, and good night.